Welcome to Footnotes, the Roar podcast where we explore the stories in and around the McGill Library and Archives. Nothing is off topic. We share stories from our collections that are off the wall, out of the box, off the shelves, from us to you, wherever you get your podcast. We have short pods like this one, called Footnotes, and longer pieces, called Voices from the Footnotes. Look for these on the website. Before we begin, we acknowledge that McGill University is situated on the traditional territory of the Ganyagahaga, a place which has long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst nations. We recognize and respect the Ganyagahaga as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which we meet today. I'm Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer for this podcast and today's host. Today, we hear more from Ray Tucker, now Ray Rambali, who won McGill's Winter Carnival pageant in 1951 as an undergraduate student. You can hear more about her memories of the pageant in our previous episode, Carnival Queens. Today, we're hearing about her experiences both before and after she won, and where she went after her time at McGill. You'll also hear from our producer, Sheetal Lodia, in this episode. I grew up in Trinidad. I arrived at McGill at the age of 20. So okay. I am, I, you know, like I, I feel Trinidad in my bones. And I've gone back every year or every other year since. So since, you know, I became an adult and graduated and yeah. Looking back, I when I came to McGill, because I had two brothers who had preceded me, one by about three years and one by two years, uh, they had been sem- they were semi-established by the time I arrived. So they set me up. I knew I had to go find myself accommodation, a room somewhere in, in the ghetto area, what they call the ghetto, or I don't know if they still call it the ghetto. Um, I lived on St. Famille. Uh, in a rooming house. I had a nice landlady, so I I walked to my classes. But the group, uh, my brothers belonged to a group of students, Caribbean students from Jamaica, from Barbados, from Trinidad. And we gathered together. There were parties, endless parties. You didn't have to have money, uh, not even liquor, Coke, and, and and maybe some cheap wine, if, you know, some cheap wine and, and music. And they rented an apartment at 3602 Du Rocher Street, which became famous because that's where all the parties were. And the nurses came and the, 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 the other students heard about it and they came and the police came too. But the police, oh yes. <laughs> Every so often, because it was really very noisy. So they were all good kids because they were all, all attending classes during the daytime, but and all away from their families. And it was one way of surviving, just being with each other. So I came into this group and joined this group. I didn't live at that address. I lived up on St. Famille, but uh, I had my lunch at the, at the house. We got together at Christmas time. Parents sent out sent up care packages for their children. Uh, we learned 
uh, I watched those who knew a little bit about cooking. They, they bought a turkey. Uh, they cooked a turkey. They learned stuffing. That's where I learned to do stuffing. I did, and it was Jamaican stuffing that I learned. And I come from Trinidad. So that was the kind of atmosphere for the Caribbean students. And I suppose for other students from other countries as well, because there were a lot of international students. At Christmas time, the CBC invited us down to its offices to, to send greetings to our families. So, and we each had about, oh, I would say less than two minutes to, to, to say hello to your aunt, your uncle, your mother, your father, your cousin Henry, everybody. And, and you say, you know, we're having, we're, 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 we're enjoying our studies. We're studying, we're doing quite, we're studying very hard. You know, we would, <laughs> and at Christmas time, because I was also in, in Trinidad when my brothers were here before I came to Canada, when you know you sat and and waited for this um, the broadcast to come over, and you know you heard your name on the radio, that was a really big deal. So so that was that was the CBC was involved in that way to help us send greetings at Christmas time, and and that's how we we kept our spirits up. Summertime we found work. I got work with Bell, which paid very well, even in those days. And for a student, we had no loans. I mean, McGill gave grants and loans, bursaries, but it wasn't much. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do much with it. So we learned how to how to survive. And we didn't get loans from the government. That's for sure, because we weren't eligible for it. Where shall we go from here? What did you do after graduation? <laughs> I got married at Divinity Hall just up the street and we left for England. So I spent 10 years in England. Um, my children were born in England. I taught school in England, in, in the South, in London. So, you know, I, I, I was part of that system for 10 years. And uh, I, I did, uh, an external diploma at the London at London University in social work because we got married in such a hurry that having graduated with a bachelor's degree, I was going to do a master's in social work, and they didn't have the bachelor's. They they later brought in the bachelor's. I was it was a degree, and the next was a master's. And I, I just left and went to England, got married and went to England. So, I, and came back, as I said, 11 years, 12 years later. So I came back, I got and I did the, my master's. My, I brought up the, my children, we, they grew up. And I was restless. I didn't feel fulfilled in, in the work. Well, not the work I was doing, it's, it's the structure I was functioning in. I, I think it was more that. The nurses, you hear it from the nurses, they're tired and it's the conditions and that sort of thing. It was, it was along that level. I've always been an ambitious person, but you know, we ran into the, the subtle racism, you know, something just isn't happening and you wonder why. Um, you start asking yourself why after a while. 
but I was very involved with the black social workers in Montreal while I lived here before I went to Barbados. Um, we called it the ABHSW, which was the Association of Black, um, black Social Workers. And um, we got involved with McGill School of Social Work. Um, we were involved with um, the, the foster parent programs that they had. Uh, we, we questioned why so many children from the Caribbean in particular ended up in foster care. Um, still happening with the disadvantaged groups, but um, these, this was as a result of, of people not having a support system that helped them. And it was easier to take the children into foster care than it was to support the families to keep the children. Um, and I think this still is happening today. I don't know if, if it has changed within the Caribbean community. And of course, people have problems with their children, you know, um, and, and it's what they do, how they survive, how they see it through with their children. Um, I applied, I started looking outside of Montreal and I ended up in the Caribbean. And again, that was quite an accident. So I did a full circle from the Caribbean to, to Canada, to England, back to Canada, then to the Caribbean and then back, back to Canada where I am right now talking to you. Um, I taught social work at the University of the West Indies, Cave Hill campus in Barbados. I trained the social workers because they were evolving. Social work as a profession was, was evolving there. Everybody was doing social work. The policemen did it. Uh, the firemen did it when there was a fire. The priests did it when everybody was doing, a, a, they did a bit of social work. And I remember cringing after going through two years of hardcore studies at McGill. So I, I was visiting Barbados. And I thought, let me just have a look. And I called up the university and I didn't know how they were structured. I asked if there was, who was head of the social work faculty. Uh, there was no faculty. Uh, there was one person that they were just starting up a social work department. And I, I persuaded the, the person who, was in charge to meet with me because I was leaving to return to Canada, I think in two or three days time. And he saw me, he met with me and I told him what I did in, in Montreal. And he gave me a, an application form just in case. And I got on the plane and we came back. I think I sat on it for a while. And I think it was the day before the due date that I, I didn't have a fax machine. I went to my brother's office and asked him to fax, fax it for me. In the meantime, I continued working and I really put it at the back of my mind. And one day I, I was working at a CLSC here in Montreal and um, I, was, I came home, I was making supper and the phone rang and my husband answered it. And he said, Ray, it's for you, it's the university. And I thought, 
oh, they're calling to tell me no. And I got to the phone and I was told, we'd like to offer you the job. And that changed my life for eight, 10 years because I, I had to think very carefully because I had a family and a very strong family. I couldn't just walk out like that. I had to get permission from everybody. And my children were, they had gone through university and everything. My daughter was extremely, she was extremely supportive. And at 53, I went back to the Caribbean where I spent eight years at the, at Cayville campus uh, and retired and came and decided that was it. So since then, I've been, been involved in bringing up grandchildren and I lost my husband about, I have to get this in, about five years ago after mm -hmm. almost 60 years of marriage. Oh. It was a long marriage and a very good marriage. And we produced two children and I have three grand, lovely grandchildren and my friends. And, you know, I belong to a Caribbean group and we all are retired and we go to lunch and, uh, uh, and all those people came to Montreal or to Canada around the same time that I did. So they're all people in their eighties. We talk and we have a good time. You know, and they have, you know, I think of the problems I'm seeing happening in Montreal. It's not that we didn't have problems, but it was a smaller society. It was, I wouldn't say a less political society, because in those days, there were two programs. You came as a student or you came as a domestic. But, you know, the students and the domestics uh, we, we, we integrated very well and we got a, uh, because those who came as domestics didn't get in, didn't qualify to get into the program, but they were very ambitious people. I know one person who became head of banking in the firm she worked for. It was a French English problem there and we, we were brought in they gave us the opportunity to come to university if we qualified for it, if we could afford it. Um, and that's how, that's how we got here. We weren't into the politics of it. I think we were too concerned about whether we would be able to stay. Immigration, immigration issues rather than, uh, rather than politics. If you were lucky enough to be granted um, landed immigrant status, that was the, um, but those people, are, there's, a, there's a solid group of Caribbean older people. I don't know, at, at my age, I can hardly climb the stairs now. I'm grateful that I still have my memory because that's part of, that's a big part of our problem these days. Ray's memory is sharp as a tack. It was a joy to hear about her experiences. An enormous thank you to Ray Rambali for sharing her story with us. Look to the show notes on our website for additional material and to explore the projects that the Roar team has been working on. Our title song called Happy Sandbox was composed by Mativ and sourced from freesound.org. You can find all the credits in our show notes. 
thank you to Professor Natalie Cook, director of this project at Team Roar, and to Jacqueline Sunberg, associate producer. I'm Sheetha Lodio. Thanks for listening.